You're listening to The Savings Tip Jar with Dom Beattie and Harrison Asprey, powered by savings.com.au. Your home of consumer finance news, guides and product comparisons. Yes, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Savings Tip Jar, a podcast where we aim to discuss the latest in banking and finance, but with a focus on what's relevant to the savings of everyday Aussies. I'm Don Beattie, and alongside alongside me, sorry, for round two of more mouthing off about money is Harrison Asprey. G'day, Harrison. G'day, Dom. It's good to be here for another episode. Um, I understand this is our third podcast rehearsal now. That's um, right. <laughs> so we had a few recording mishaps, um, tech issues. Don't you love them? Um, it's feeling a bit like uh. 50 first dates with you. Um, but which ones, Drew Barrymore? Yeah, well, I was, I was thinking more kind of Groundhog Day vibes, Harrison. So, mm. yeah, we, we, we've recorded this episode twice before, and on both occasions, would you believe it, we have lost the recording, or it is not saved due to various tech issues. So, Don't you love it? Um, yeah, just love just love chatting to you, Harrison, that uh, having the same conversation three times is just brilliant. I hear your voice in my sleep. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, hopefully this time it works. Um so similar to last episode, we'll start off by talking through some of the top savings news you should know about this week in our savings news roundup before putting the spotlight on some standout financial offers in good deal hunting. We'll then get stuck into a segment called Fiscal Focus, where we explore a particular area of finance in depth. Uh, this week's subject is fixed rate home loans, which are particularly topical now given there's hundreds of billions of dollars worth of these loans due to expire in the coming months. After that, we'll share some fun facts from the world of finance before wrapping up our two cent takeaways of the week. So let's get stuck into our savings news roundup. Okay, so this one from our reporter, Hannan Dovisovic. Uh, Bank of Queensland will increase the maximum interest rate on its future saver account to a market-leading 4% per annum for young Aussies aged 14 to 35. Effective on Tuesday, the highest rate on BOQ's future saver account has increased by 0.5% to 4% per annum for balances up to $50,000. The interest rate for balances between $50,000 to $250,000 will also increase, rising by 100 basis points to 2.5% per annum. To receive the total 4% per annum rate, savers must deposit $1,000 and make five settled card transactions on their linked everyday account every month. So Harrison, a $50,000 deposit earning 4% per annum, that's $2,000 per year in interest. I know, that's pretty great, isn't it, Dom? That's enough for a 65-inch TV uh, by my calculations. But look, we'll have to cast our eyes back a fair few years uh, to see a savings account rate around 4%. Um, RBA data actually points to when online savings accounts had an average of 4% savings rate. And we have to go back to April 2012 to see that. The average is still 0.8%, which is still pretty paltry. So that just proves that Bank of Queensland is above the average, well above the average, actually. Um, And it's good to see a savings account rate starting with a four. Yeah, we were waiting to see um, when we'd see the first savings account offering 4% or higher. I mean, we we thought we were getting close when we saw BOQ first came out with 3.5%. Um, we were thinking, okay, well, now the RBA's risen rates by another 50 basis points. Maybe this will be the month. And uh, lo and behold, here we are, 4% per annum. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, those people aged uh, 30, over 35 might be thinking, uh, well, where's the love for us? This isn't fair. Bit bit ageist here. 
But um, I, I mean, I, I think with more interest rates uh, on the cards, interest rate rises, sorry, uh, I, I think that we, we might soon see 4% per annum on offer for, um, for Aussies of old ages sometime soon. Yeah, look, you can't please everyone. Um, and you generally have to pick your poison between conditions. So depositing some money per month or making some, or jumping through some other hoops every month. Uh, no conditions, but a lower rate or a short honeymoon rate. So you can't please everyone. But at the end of the day, it is good to see that there's a savings account rate starting with a four. And it could be a sign of more things to come, hopefully. Fingers crossed, because it's been pretty depressing out there for savings or savers rather um, over the last few years. But look, on the other side of the coin now, um, window shopping for loans no longer affects credit history. So a review of Australia's credit reporting code has proposed a soft inquiry framework allowing Aussies to shop around for credit products without taking hits to their credit profile. So that story there is from our writer Jacob Cocciolone. Um, and it means a, a soft credit inquiry such as seeking a quote or determining if you qualify for a, for a particular product is not recorded on credit reports. So previously, um, if you inquired about a some sort of loan, personal loan, home loan, it would likely show up on your credit report and a future lender might look at that and go, man, this guy's hungry for a loan. What's he hiding? Is he struggling for money? Um, but with this hard and soft um, stipulation now, it means that you can shop around for a, for a good deal and it won't show up on your, on your credit report. Um, so that's from the credit rating agencies such as Experian, Ileon and Equifax. Um, they're all the, the three majors there. And I actually have a friend who whose job it is um, as part of working for a lender is to inquire about loans uh, through other lenders just to see what's out there. And she actually found out her credit score was uh, pretty low because it's part of a job. So she actually had to call one of these one of these credit uh, rating agencies and say, hey, I, I just work for a lender. I'm not actually applying for credit. I'm not actually hard up for money. So can you please correct that? Um, and I think that's the main message there, Dom, too, is um, is to be mindful of that when you're applying for credit still. I mean, I remember myself when I was applying for um, a home loan uh, uh, just for pre-approval, I, I was quite concerned that, um, you know, because pre-approval will only last for about a month or so. When we were granted that pre-approval and uh, it actually expired, I was thinking, well, we're going to have to apply again. Is this going to hurt our credit score? And thereby we actually get uh, rejected for the for the pre-approval and the second time around. Um, so, you know, this sounds sounds like a, you know, makes sense. It sounds like a nice practical move by the, uh, the good old um, reporting code. Um, moving on to the next story, um, scams. So Westpac will roll out new scam support and prevention measures with Optus after new data revealed a 33% increase in reported scams in July compared to the year prior. Westpac is urging customers to be extra careful after a recent spike in scam activity, warning scammers are becoming more sophisticated and even harder to detect with impersonation scams among the most common. The new Westpac data comes off the back of research by security and antivirus platform Avast last month, which found that Australians had lost $336 million to scams so far in 2020. Um, so Harrison, in an attempt to block, uh, to combat some of these scams, Westpac is working with Optus uh, to become the first Australian business to block calls from scammers impersonating the bank. Um, interesting that they're working with Optus since the news has come out now that uh, Optus has um, had uh, the, the, the details of millions of their customers leaked to scammers. So yeah, we'll see how this one plays out. 
I know, yeah, not really the best timing there. Poor old Optimus, they, they can't get anything right at the moment. Um, but look, it is a good sign that banks are, are wising up to the fact that there's a lot of scams out there. And there's actually a lot of um, a lot more scams that are getting increasingly sophisticated. Um, no longer is it just about a document with a shabbily paced bank logo sent to your email address or some random Nigerian prince asking for asking for money and promising vast riches um they're actually getting pretty complex so there's there's the impersonation scams where they sound very convincingly someone from optus or uh or westpac or or what have you and then there's also the old high mum scam where you get a random text from a number and they say it's your son or 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 whatever and that they've lost their phone um but i think the main message is just trust your gut. Um, and if you aren't sure, um, if you're being called by someone out of the blue from your bank, uh, just don't worry about hanging up and then ringing the number direct um, on the on the bank website or or whatever it is. Um, I think that's the main message there: is is not to don't be afraid of, of coming across as slightly rude and just hang up and start again. Yeah, I mean, so many times I receive a call um, from an unknown number and I answer it and, you know, it, it, it's it's they're purporting to be um, from, uh, you know, one of the services I might be signed up for, whether it's a bank or energy provider or internet. Uh, and I just, I because there's so many scams these days, I just, I'm always doubtful and think, so are, are you real or how do I know you're, you're not some scammer that's just attempting to, to to get my details. So, yes, it's just it's just find that it's getting harder and harder to to trust um, these these calls these days. So, yeah, it's just become a whole thing. You know, trust no one except, uh, except not yourself. even yourself. Yeah, that's don't it. even trust yourself. But um, speaking of that, um, with uh, home loan rates on the rise, and there's a lot of and there's a lot of talk about that as well. Um, some AMP research has actually come out and, and they found that uh, Australians are actually more sensitive to interest rates than other countries. So interest rate rises, that is. Um, so AMP economist Diana Messina said, uh, for example, a 0.25% increase in interest rates in the US is like the equivalent of a 0.45% increase in Australia for consumers with housing debt. Um, and that's because in Australia, we have one of the highest um, household debt ratios comparative to income at 187%. So we're one of the most indebted uh, countries in the world um, and a higher debt load means we're more sensitive to any interest rate rises. Um, and I thought that was interesting because there was also some research that found um, from a firm called Built Place. Uh, they, uh, with regard to interest rates in the UK, that we're approaching 1980s level of interest rates, um, especially when inflation and debt are taken into account. So that's um, if we look at the Bank of England interest rates, so that's England's uh, central bank. Um, in the 1980s, the interest rates were on average 14.2%. Uh, but because people were less heavily indebted back then um, and their incomes much higher relative to their mortgage repayments, um, this is in affordability terms, the equivalent to 3% in today's interest rates. And here in Australia, anyway, um, many economists are tipping the RBA cash rate to go over 3% in the new year. So uh, while a lot of older people will, will, will remember those high interest rates of the late 80s and early 90s, um, the truth is due to our home loan sizes today that it's, you know, people aren't much better off or they're even worse off today than they were back then. That's interesting, Harrison. I hadn't actually considered that. But um, but yeah, I guess, you know, an interest rate that, that of, of 3% today, I could understand that being the equivalent of, say, 10%. Uh, back in uh, 1990. Um, 
I guess, I mean, what borrowers, maybe some borrowers can take solace from that and think, okay, well, there's perhaps with that in mind, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's less risk that interest rates will go back up to those uh, 1990s levels where it was ridiculous. I don't know, it was like 15% or something like that. Uh, and that sort of was amid that time that we had the uh, recession that we had to have uh, with, so under the, the Paul Keating era. So, yeah, um, that, 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 that's crazy. I mean, you'd think, though, that, you know, with these with these huge um, double, essentially um, double cash rate rises that we're getting with the, the 50 basis point rises instead of the usual 25, that we would start to see a sharp slowdown in spending. But it just there aren't really any signs of that just yet. I mean, none of the data is really showing that there's been a, a sharp cutback in in spending. I'm going to the shopping center and still seeing there's, there's people out and about everywhere. Restaurants are full, cinemas full. Um, I mean, surely these these interest rate hikes are going to have to buy it soon. Yeah, exactly right. Um, there's been a bit of research done, and economists have found that there has that like there is about a three month lag time between when interest rates rise and when people actually feel it in their hip pockets. So be that, you know, spending or um, eating out and things like that. So with that in mind, you know, we, we, uh, consumers could start to be feeling the pinch in around the new year, around Christmas time. Uh, but look, it like towards it, at, at the end of the day, rather, um, a lot of people squirreled away a lot of money uh, during the pandemic. A lot of people kept their jobs, uh, even though the unemployment rate went up drastically. Um, and RBA data says that the, that Australians collectively saved around $250 billion and put that in into deposits uh, during the last two to three years. So there's a lot of cash to burn, mm. um, which is in part why the inflation rate's high. And a lot of people aren't feeling the pinch yet. And due to all the pent up demand from the pandemic, a lot of people are wanting to get out there, spend money and, and enjoy time with family and friends again. Um, but look, with all this cash out at the moment, um, let's talk about some good deals, Dom. Okay, yeah. Next segment, uh, good deal hunting. How do you like them, <laughs> So good deal hunting, in case you hadn't noticed, uh, the name of this segment was coined as a reference to the critically acclaimed 1997 film Goodwill Hunting. Uh, you might have just heard a little line from the film, the, the famous line, how do you like them apples? Uh, I mean, I think that fits in nicely with uh, how do you like them apples in terms of these these deals that we're going to talk about, Harrison. Oh, geez, that's a great segue there, Dom. Um, I'm, I'm sure our intelligent readers would have, or intelligent listeners rather, would have picked up on that pretty easily. It's it's an iconic film. And to be honest, I had a bit of a, a little crush back on Mini Driver back in the day. Um <laughs> But aside from that, let's let's talk about some deals. So in the home loan space, even though interest rates are rising, there's still a lot of lenders competing for your money um, and mainly in the name of cashback offers. So the latest cashback offer has come from Ubank. They're the digital lender from uh, that are owned by NAB. Um, and they currently offer three grand if you refinance at least 250 grand with them or four grand if you refinance at least 1 million. Now, 1 million sounds like a lot, um, to anyone that's not in Sydney or Melbourne, but that's that's probably about the median. Um, so the rules are here with Ubank is to apply by the 30th of November and settle by the 31st of January. Uh, this, of course, <laughs> excludes NAB Group refinances, so that it, that would include NAB itself, uh, Ubank, uh, anyone who still finds himself on an 86400 home loan for some reason, uh, and Citibank, which was acquired by NAB earlier this year. Um, so. That just goes to show that there's a lot of cashback offers out there, um, but you need to do your research because 
uh, while the new shiny thing in a cashback offer looks great, you'll have to look at the the uh, bread and butter of a home loan. So that includes the advertised rate, the comparison rate, uh, fees, and and other features, and so on. Um, and consumers will also have to ask themselves: Is it genuine cashback? So a lot of lenders out there, um, not saying Ubank is doing this, but a lot of lenders don't actually offer that in terms of hot, of, of cold hard cash in your bank account. They might. Uh, suck it back into the mortgage or offer it some other way. So you'll have to do your research there. And, and if in doubt, you'll have to contact your lender. Yeah, these cashback offers can be very tempting, particularly if you, you know, you, you've got a, a your home loan, your existing home loan on a particular rate, and you see another home loan that's on the exact same rate, but they're, they're saying, hey, if you if you move your home loan over to us, we'll give you four grand in, in cashback. Um, I mean, yeah, if, 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 if that's four grand, I mean, regardless of whether that's four grand directly into your pocket now or four grand off your home loan, it does, it's, it's still very tempting. Um, so, I mean, you might sort of think, why not? Why wouldn't I switch? And we did see a lot of people switching uh, from some of the challenger lenders to the big four uh, during the um, during the pandemic because suddenly the big four were flushed with cash from the, uh, the RBA's term funding facility that they were able to offer uh, really competitive interest rates um, at, at the same time as these as these great uh, cashback offers. So uh, there are a lot of people that rushed back to the big four around that time. I mean, of course, when you see these offers, like you sort of touched on, Harrison, you got to weigh up things like uh, the interest rate uh, and, and also the cost of refinancing itself, mm. which can be, um, yeah, th- can be thousands of dollars if you add, up, add it all up. Um, and particularly, I mean, if you've got a fixed rate deal, you, you probably want to wait until that fixed term is up because... Yeah, the the break costs uh, on a fixed rate loan are, are pretty pretty hefty, so you might not want to be chasing those sort of cashback offers. But once the fixed rate term has expired, uh, and you, you're suddenly locked on a on a on a standard variable rate that's like way above what, what the what the average rate is on the market, then absolutely maybe you might consider getting a little cashback and a lower interest rate at the same time. Um, for my good deal hunting uh, this week, I thought that uh, I'd, I'd uh, note some of the top deals on the market for savings accounts. So obviously we mentioned the the BOQ savings account at the top of the program, but uh, that, uh, as we mentioned, is only for those aged uh, 14 to 35. Um, so, you know, we're not ageist on this program, so we just wanted thought we'd highlight some of the uh, the all ages savings accounts that are available. Um, ANZ Plus uh, is actually offering a pretty good deal uh, with just a pure base rate of 3% per annum. So mm. no conditions, uh, no intro rate. It's it's just it's just pure ongoing rate of, of 3% per annum on uh, balances up to 250,000. Um, meanwhile, uh, if you are someone that doesn't mind an intro rate um, because you like to sort of jump between banks every few months and just to take advantage of the introductory terms, uh, Macquarie is offering 3.7%. Um, for four months, well, so that's a 3.7% per annum rate, uh, but you get the equivalent of that uh, over four months. Um, but after that four months is up, the the base rate of the, uh, sorry, the, the interest rate on that account reverts to Macquarie's base rate of 2.75%. So after that four months, you might want to think about uh, jumping onto another savings account rate that has, um, say, the ANZ Plus one that, that offers 3%. Um, meanwhile, if you're someone that uh, doesn't mind um, working hard for the money, um, uh, meeting conditions to earn uh, your bonus interest, uh, ING is offering its uh, 3.6% per annum um, for those who you know make the five transactions, at least five transactions 
on the linked uh, transaction account uh, per month and deposits at least $1,000 a month into that linked transaction account. So that's 3% per annum uh, on ING's conditional uh, offer, 3.7% uh, on Macquarie's introductory for four months offer and ANZ Plus offering a pure base rate of 3% per annum on up to $250,000. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier, Dom. Um, you really have to pick your poison here. So you can get a lower base rate um, where you don't have to do anything to attain that rate. You can kind of just set and forget it, uh, but still have the money there if you need it or be, be prepared to rate chase with the short-term honeymoon rates. Um, and look, those with those interest rates, they're a bit of a carrot dangled in, in front of the saver. Uh, those banks are probably hinging on the fact that you're too lazy to switch and you'll later pay a lazy tax through a lower interest rate. Uh, and then there's also the hoops to jump through with those accounts such as INGs. Um, and I thought it was also interesting too, you know, with international travel back on the cards, the, I, the ING uh, transaction account that's linked to that savings maximizer account has a fee, fee free uh, international withdrawal. So um, that means if you're slugged an ATM fee overseas, they'll, they'll refund it, provided you meet those conditions, of course. Um, and then also uh, they won't charge any foreign transaction fee. So say you're in a 7-Eleven in the US and you're paying for fuel or gas, as they call it, you won't be slugged um, what many banks charge, uh, 3% if you're overseas. And that applies to uh, online purchases overseas as well. Um, so that's that's a pretty important uh, consideration there too with travel back on the cards. But as as Dom said, you you, you really need to be making those those conditions and, and you need to be working hard for your money. Um, and there's a chance if you're overseas and you have been for a while, you might forget to top the account up with a thousand dollars and the five mm. uh, card transactions. So you you might find yourself paying um, extortionate amounts of foreign transaction fees and and so on. So just just be mindful there. Uh, I think it's time for our next segment. Uh, fiscal focus. Okay, so fiscal focus. So uh, as we sort of mentioned at the top of the program, this segment, uh, this for this episode, we're going to focus on fixed rate home loans. Uh, there's been some figures that have come out that uh, show that there's been billions and billions of dollars worth of uh, fixed rate home loans uh, that are due to expire um, in the next few months. So. Uh, between March and December in 2021, uh, there were about 20 to $25 billion in new fixed rate home loans being granted every month. So all up, that's about 200 to $250 billion of loans on fixed rates over that period that are due to expire. Now, obviously fixed rates uh, have varying terms. Some will be one year, some will be two years, others, you know, up to five years. Um, those that sort of had taken out uh, one year are probably expiring right now, uh, and those are expiring um, two years, obviously in the, probably in the next few months. Um, you know, there were some amazing rates though that were on offer uh, at the time, Harrison. I mean, we saw Greater Bank, for for example, offering 1.59% <laughs> fixed for one year. Um, that'll be expiring about about now, and uh, could come as a bit of a rude shock because. Yeah, typically when fixed rates expire, the rate reverts to that bank's standard variable rate. And uh, Harrison, you had a look and you found the, the standard variable rate for Greater Bank. What was it? 5.86%. Uh, and that's oh. with all those interest rate rises recently. So Greater Bank isn't alone there um, with a standard variable rate like that. But look, if it's kind of like a bit of a time capsule. So if you locked in that 
really low fixed rate. Uh, that's the lowest I've seen personally. And I think, dare I say it, probably the lowest we'll see ever. 1.59%, um, you, you time capsule your home loan for one year and then you jump out again, uh, like Brendan Fraser. Uh, and then you're facing an interest rate of 5.86%. Um, and if you look at the numbers on that from a mortgage cost uh, standpoint, uh, on a $600,000 home loan um, on a 30-year term, uh, your repayments would jump from 2096 or just under $2,097 per month, and it will shoot way up to uh, $3,543. Uh, which is a jump of around $1,400. Uh, so I don't imagine there'll be too many punters that could magically find an extra $1,400 in their bank account every month just to service the mortgage, just to keep a roof over their head. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that that is tough coming with that shock. But then at the same time, that person has uh, saved a lot in interest over that, over that one year, having such a low interest rate that you'd hope that, you know, they were putting those savings to good use. They weren't just splurging it. They were, they were keeping it aside for a rainy day. Uh, that rainy day is, is coming for a lot of people with uh, interest rates having risen. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you fixed for under a rate of under 2% for say two to three years, you, you'd be, you'd be loving life at the moment. You'd be seeing everyone on all these variable rates of, of 4%, 5%, and you're still paying say 1 1.6, 1 1.7, 1 1.8%. Um, but you, yeah, like, like you say, it, it can be a huge shock when you, you're slugged with, with those much higher repayments when the, the fixed term ends. So yeah, just just got to make sure that they're um they're they're keeping that money aside and not uh, spending it on you know new jet skis or anything like that. Oh, but I do love a jet ski, Dom. Um, but I think that's one of the traps there as well with with a lot of fixed rate home loans is that you're restricted as to how much you can pile into the home loan as well. So a lot of lenders cap that at ten thousand mm. uh, dollars, which sounds like a lot. But you know, if you're looking to get ahead on your mortgage, that might not seem like much at all. And then they often don't come with an offset account, so you can't, there's that mental block there where because you're on the 1.59 rate, you're, you might not be saving that extra money for a rainy day. Um, you know, the, the RBA governor, Dr. Phil Lowe, came under a bit of fire recently because uh, a lot of people misconstrued his comments uh, from last year and the year before that interest rates won't, won't rise till uh, 2024. And lo and behold, you know, it's the cash rates now 2.35% and mortgage rates are 4-5%. Um, so he's having to face a bit of media scrutiny there. Yeah, a lot um, of people are not happy yeah. with, with old Phil. Yeah, poor old Phil. Um, when he talks, you can't help but feel like he's he's a bit tired, you know. Um, he's, his term's due to expire in 2023, so he, he's probably looking at cashing out his checks. And mm. uh, yeah, um, so but although he didn't promise that, a lot of uh, consumers hinged on their words. Um, the RBA's words during uncertain times, and and look what we have now. We have uh, growing home loan debt, and then interest rates are rising as well. Yeah, um, it, it was actually interesting that um, fixed rate lending, I mean, in Australia, it's most people actually opt for variable, which is a bit um, unique compared to some other countries in the world where even, even our neighbours, New Zealand, I think it's something about 80% of the market tends to go for fixed rates over variable. Um, and in the US, it's, it's mostly fixed as well. But um, yeah, in Australia, fixed rate lending peaked in July 2021 at 46% of home loan lending. So it was just below 50%, but that is unusually high for um, for 
the volume of fixed rate loans um, in Australia. But uh, since then, it's fallen to only 5.5%. So it was only 5.5% in July 2020, uh, sorry, July 2022. Uh, and the reason why that is, is because if you look at fixed rate home loan deals at the moment, they're all in the 5% plus range. So people are just opting for for variable now because they're, they're currently lower. I mean, they're going to move up um, if, if the RBA continues to rise. But, um, you know, some people might still opt for fixed if they just value the, the certainty of knowing that their repayments um, aren't going to change. Yeah, and it should be noted that our economy um, and certainly our, our funding structures, uh, don't, don't let your eyes glaze over yet, um, is different to countries such as, such as the US where it's not uncommon to find a 30-year fixed mortgage. So the way banks borrow money and the way they secure funding in Australia is a bit different to other countries, including New Zealand as well there. Um, which is why variable rates are, are the preferred choice, um, despite the last two years of fixed rate mania. So that's uh, that's our fiscal focus segment. Uh, moving on to the next one, fund facts. Okay, fund facts uh, for this episode, Harrison. All right, my fund fact for this episode um, is, you know, we, we've just enjoyed a public holiday to for a dignified morning of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. Um, I mourned by having some Greek food, um, but in context of that, um, I've seen on eBay some Queen Elizabeth Platinum Jubilee 50 cent coins with an asking price of $2,000. Um, Lord knows if they'll actually get that price, um, and it just goes to show that there's a lot of people uh, wanting to make a quick buck out of out of um, a lovely old grandma's demise. Um, and it reminds me of actually nearly three years ago, believe it or not, uh, Kobe Bryant died, uh, the NBA legend. Uh, and I remember looking on Gumtree just randomly and someone on on that website uh, was asking $10,000 for a RIP Kobe uh, personalized number plate. Um, and it just, it just goes to show that there's a lot of uh, people hungry for money out there and they'll do anything to make a quick buck. And I dare say, that the people that were hoarding, um, there's probably a large Venn diagram uh, crossover between those people that were hoarding toilet paper during the pandemic and trying to sell that, and also people that are trying to uh, capitalise on um, on Her Majesty's death. Yeah, opportunists are always going to try and uh, take advantage of a situation, aren't they? But um, you just wonder who, I mean, who's actually going to going to spend, say, ten grand on RIP Kobe number plates? <laughs> um, I mean, is it is it an investment? Is it I think Is I might know purely for, Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> um, and, and likewise with uh, $2,000 for Qu- Queen Elizabeth Platinum Jubilee. I mean, I, I, maybe I'm I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt and it's um, they see it as a good investment because uh, that, you know, that $2,000 for it now, uh, it, that, that coin might be worth a lot more in the future. Who knows? Um, for my fund fact this week, uh, I thought it'd be interesting that uh, to know that... Um, Australians actually have the highest median wealth per adult in the world. So that's according to a new report out from Credit, Credit Suisse, their global wealth report. And it has uh, ranked Australia at the top for uh, having um, a median wealth per adult of 273,000 US dollars, um, which is about uh, 411,000 uh, Aussie, Aussie dollars. So that's a fair bit of money going around. I think it's quite interesting because, um, you know, by sort of global reputations, I don't think if you grab someone on the street in in America or uh, in the hills of Switzerland that they'd be able to guess that 
Australians are the richest people in the world. Um, I think we're more associated with uh, sheep shearing and uh, surfing and crocodile hunting. Uh, not so much the sitting back, counting money, sat on a yacht, uh, um, and just eating fine chocolate and cheese. I know, Dom. Um, have you ever shorn a sheep? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but I I do like my Holden Newts and my meat pies. So that was surprising even to me um, that we come out ahead of many of those sort of chocolate loving nations. You know, Belgium and Switzerland and so on. Um, the median wealth is is actually interesting because um, from uh, from 2019 um, to 2020 that was actually an increase of 32,000, and then off the back of the strong home price growth over the last couple of years, that that shot up once again. Um, and if we look uh, to our neighbours across the ditch, New Zealand, they've had a, a great run. So um, a couple of years ago in 2020, their median wealth was you know, like I say, only, but only 171,000 US dollars. And now it's, they've, they've shot up the ranks and they're over well over $200,000. Um, and it is interesting too, when we look at the median, that's that's the midpoint of the population, mm-hmm. uh, which is, it's a lot different to um, the mean, which is when you add it all up and then divide it by the number. Um, if we look at the mean, so the average, uh, Switzerland still comes out ahead, um, I think. Uh, and that just goes to show that there might be a bit more wealth inequality in countries such as Switzerland and the U.S. as well. Yeah, well, because I mean, if you look at the median wealth per adult for the for the U.S., they're they're way down at number eighteen, um, whereas for mean wealth per adult, they're number two. Um, so yeah, it just shows you know Australia is is relatively more egalitarian than than other countries. We have a a good sort of spread of the wealth. Um, it might have something to do with the fact that. Um, we're forced to save for our retirement uh, through the superannuation system. So a lot of people have all this money locked away in super that is invested in the share market and is growing quite well. And also the fact that, um, you know, we, we love property. So uh, I think it's like two thirds of, of, of Australians own property and property prices have, have absolutely boomed um, in the past year. Um, okay, this uh, brings us to our final segment, two cent takeaways. Okay, two cent takeaways for this episode, Harrison. All right, speaking of property, um, with all the property chat going on, um, I thought that my, that a good takeaway rather would be that there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of noise about property prices, interest rates, and so on. It can be really easy to be feeling down about your own position, especially if you're not a homeowner already. Um, but look, buy when you're ready. Buy when you saved up enough for a deposit. Uh, last year, there was a lot of FOMO, so a lot of young buyers being led like lambs to the slaughter to house auctions and things like that until they outbid by $200,000. Uh, and now there's a lot of talk about the fear of paying too much. Now, if but the fear of paying too much implies that, interest, that uh, property price is going to decline. Um, but look, a uh, decline in property prices is only real if you sell it. Um, so if it's your first home, just keep in mind that, yeah, just buy when you're ready. It might not be your forever home, but buy what you can afford and aim to keep it for at least a while, so say 10 years or so, uh, chances are it will still appreciate over time. You know, we might not see the absolutely ludicrous house price growth that we've saw over the last uh, two years, so 25% plus growth in those two years. Um, But look, just try not to let those numbers get you down. Try not to uh, feel like it's your hamster on a wheel and it's, it's running forever out of control. Just save up and try and save up enough for a deposit and then uh, hopefully with these new savings account rates going up you might be able to get a bit more interest there might make saving a bit easier and just buy when you're ready and 
try not to stretch yourself despite all the peer pressure going on. Yeah, absolutely with you there on that one, Harrison. Um, a lot of people have tried and failed to to try and time the market when it comes to buying property. But uh, I, I just think, yeah, just, just stick to the fundamentals, really. I mean, if, if you see a house that you really, really like and you know that you can afford it, you know that you can afford the repayments, even if interest rates were to go up, um, I mean, what's what's stopping stopping you from buying it? You, I mean, really, you should look at a house in terms of not as an investment, but in terms of you know practical. Is it does it meet your needs? Uh, does it have enough bedrooms for your family if you're planning to grow your family? And and just will you be happy there? Do you like the area? Um, that's th those are the main things. Rather than sort of hearing all the noise and all the headlines screaming about how property prices are going to crumble and fall. Uh, say like 20%, 30% in the next year or so, you might think, oh, maybe I should hold off. But then what's to say uh, in a year's time, those, none of those predictions have eventuated, house prices have even gone up even further and you've, you've missed, missed your chance. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of what we saw, wasn't it, with the when the pandemic was kicking in? Everyone was seeing a lot of forecasts of uh, 15 to 20% falls in uh, property prices, but uh, it went the opposite. Yeah, so much for that, hey? I was kind of semi-hanging my hat on it, not having bought a house yet. Uh, but look, they, those those predictions go up and down like a fid fiddle's elbow. Um, and, you know, speaking of uh, interest rates and um, house prices, Dom, you also have a two-cent takeaway sort of in, in the same vein. Yeah, so I thought, um, you know, with interest rates going up and we see, we hear a lot of, uh, yeah, scary headlines that they're, they're going to just keep going up and up and up and people are going to really struggle. I just think it's worth... You're sitting down, having a good look at your budget and just, you know, over preparing for these apparent higher interest rates that could be on their way. So Bill Evans actually came out this week. So Bill Evans is the um, the CEO, uh, sorry, not the CEO, the chief economist <laughs> of Westpac. Um, and he's he's kind of seen as like the godfather of uh, economists in Australia. A lot of people trust what he has to say. Um, he came out this week saying the RBA could soon raise the cash rate as high as 3.6% per annum. So the cash rate is currently at 2.35%. So that's an extra 125 basis points on top of that. Um, you know, the cash rate could go higher. Maybe it'll also go lower. Regardless, if you've got a home loan, just could be worth checking your budget could handle your home loan interest rate rising by an extra 150 to 200 basis points. So if you've got a home loan interest rate of, say, 5% right now, uh, which is a bit high, um, use a repayments calculator to see what your repayments could be if your rate was to go up to 6.5% or even 7%. Uh, and just check that your budget uh, can handle that. Um, just so you know, uh, Savings to Come to You does actually have a handy uh, home loan repayments calculator. Sorry, we've got to plug it there that, that, that we are powered by them. Um, and uh, yeah, even better, just um, try and make repayments of that higher amount now if your home loan allows extra repayments, just so that you can condition yourself for repayments of that amount should they come around. Um, this could also force you to trim out any unnecessary expenses in your budget um, so that you're in a better position to afford these higher rates, just so that it's not as big a shock to the system if rates were to go up to, say, 3% or even 4%. Um, so that's my uh, takeaway for the week. And uh, that concludes our second episode. Thank you, Harrison. Cheers for the chat, even if it was uh, the third time we had this exact conversation. Look, third time's a charm. I'm feeling like we're maybe beating a dead horse here, but, you know, 
parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say, say good night till it be morrow, um, to borrow yeah. a line from Shakespeare. So that was a beautiful chat, Dom. Uh, thanks, thanks for being here, and it, uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Sans any tech issues. Yeah, no, fingers and toes crossed that this one, uh, that, I mean, I have checked several times during this episode that I have, I did hit the record button and it is oh, recording. Good. So I will, uh, I'll stop recording and, um, and make sure it saves this time. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of the Savings Tip Jar. As always, if you have any thoughts or feedback, get in touch via savings.com today. Use Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or shoot an email to inquiries at savings.com today. Catch you next time.